What's up, y'all? You're now listening to the What Now Podcast. I'm Dr. Spencer Dupre, owner of Empower Chiropractic. And I am Dr. Zach Thompson, owner of Within Chiropractic. The purpose of this podcast is to document and share the experiences of two young business owners as we open our own brick and mortar chiropractic practices. Join along as we discuss all of our wins, our losses, insights, and the many, many lessons we learned. As a disclaimer, none of this is ever intended to be medical, legal, or financial advice. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the What Now podcast. I'm Spencer here with Zach, and we have an awesome guest today. Zach, let the people know who they're going to hear some fire from today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we are joined by the one and only Dr. Elise Rigney, practicing out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Elise went to Northwestern, class of November 2011, and she opened her practice, Impact Chiropractic, um, in Fort Collins, Colorado in March 2012, as well as a second location in Loveland, Colorado in 2021. She and her team have six chiropractors as well as five CAs. She's been in practice, if you're doing the math, for about 12 years with her burning desire to be her passion project slash legacy to open a chiropractic school in Colorado. She currently has three CAs in chiropractic school, which is hats off for that. That's amazing. And she knows we'd have so many more patients and local students heading the chiropractic school if they could stay in Colorado. Who would want to leave Colorado is her question. So super, super blessed to be joined by Dr. Elise and, and really dive into all that she has to share with us today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I feel like I need to do your guys' like, yo, 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 or however you started off. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to like DJ an event right away. I was like, this is, this is good. This yeah, will get we, pumped up when you get in the car on your way to work in the morning. That's what, uh, that's that's what we try to do. That's natural. We, that hasn't been planned either. <laughs> I like uh, it. <laughs> so Dr. Elise, why don't you, um, I think today we kind of really want to get our listeners, because um, since most of them are business owners and practice owners, into what does it look like and what you do with Cairo Intensive. So can you like kind of intro Cairo Intensive and let some people know sure. who don't know what Cairo Intensive is, what it is that you do uh, with that? Absolutely. So Cairo Intensive, I started in 2020 and it's a 90 day business mentorship and mastermind. So it's really focused on business. A lot of chiropractic groups do a super good job at like different specialties or here's your day one, here's your day two, here's how you care plan, here's how you interpret scans, all of that. So the question I always got asked in my DMs was around like business. How do you have associates? How do you keep associates? Like all of our docs um, if they're not staying, we're helping them go off and open up their own offices and like just questions around that I kept getting. And so I was like, okay, I am going to start a program, but it's just going to be 90 days. Cause I don't want it to be a program. You have to like pay for every single month for the rest of your life. And so I started Cairo intensive. So it's in fourth quarter. I love it because fourth quarter is when you like start to get like a little more lukewarm and like chill out and you're like, oh, it's the holidays you know, you eat poor, your business might go down a little bit during that time too. And so it's like great accountability to have Cairo intensive during that time because we do. So it's really for docs who are looking to grow and scale. It is a high dollar investment, I'll say. Um, so sometimes we'll get on calls and we'll be like, okay, let's get you to this point in practice. And then Cairo intensive is great timing because again, there's just so many other great programs or coaches I can refer people to who might just want to get up a little bit more in like collections or patient visits or just prepared for hiring on an associate. Cause that's kind of when people are coming into Cairo intensive is like, if they think they're going to bring an associate on in the next year, 
or they already have associates, they have multiple docs, they want to open multiple practices, they're kind of at that level. So it's all about growing and scaling. We're going into a lot of like systems of the business and then um, contracts, like all that fun stuff with associate training checklists. Like oftentimes docs will hire associates and I'm sure you guys have friends who have been hired into practices in the past who Mm -hmm. it's like, handshake, you're cool. Let's bring you in. And they like, don't interview them. They Mm -hmm. maybe aren't really clear on expectations for that doc. And that's why I think sometimes you can hear like the Kairos, they're young. So like, for me, that's like not on my watch, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think all, all chiropractors, like I actually just hate the term associate too. I think it it's in our professions been like this tiered level of like, you're the owner and then I'm just an associate. And so like, I've been kind of like, kind of get rid of that term too. And we always say like our team of doctors. And so anyways, I've created an office that doesn't need me. None of the offices need me, quite frankly. I was just in Europe for a month with my family and I've been able to start Cairo Intensive and do some angel investing. And so that's what we get into at the end of Cairo Intensive too, is like real estate investing, which I'm in, I'm very much into. And then, um, more of the wealth building student loan payoffs. I was able to pay <laughs> off my student loans. And also I think what's a little bit different about me is I am, I've been like solo income earner. So I have an amazing husband, but he's like primary, he went to culinary school. And so he's an amazing chef. He's like an eating good. Dad, I know, I know I gained so much weight when we got married. Um, But so it's like a different role reversal that people aren't always used to. But I think what's interesting is I connect with people who are just in this position, man or woman or whoever, you know, like if they're in the position that I'm in, where it's like, everything is on you. And then Mm -hmm. you add on more doctors into your office and everything's on you. Like all of their livelihoods are on you too, at the end of the day. So um, yeah, it's just, I've really taken ownership and being like a business owner and entrepreneur. That's awesome. That's huge. And especially now studying more and more, I feel like Spencer and I both are drawn to more and more business books, start to realize that a lot of the things we've been taught are just from a chiropractic lens and not from a business lens. Um, I'm only like 20 pages into traction, like all about, um, uh, EOS systems. Yeah. yeah. EOS. Yep. And I want to say SEO. I'm fixated on Google right now, I guess, but um, yeah, EOS systems. <laughs> and, um, and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is what a business is, is how a business is ran. And so uh, definitely very, very interested, but how did you, we can just dive right into it, but how, how do you go about, you know, keeping six team docs uh, through impact and, and how do you really I don't want to say manage because I feel like you probably don't manage them, um, but really make sure that they're they're trained well, uh, they're taken yeah. care of and things like that. Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say a lot of it came down to like systems and structure. So working through traction or EOS systems and then integrating that or implementing that into the office is important. So I, um, from the very beginning, when I brought in my first doc, um, we eventually moved her into a senior associate role. And then her and I became partners on the second office and soon she buys me out. So it's hers hundred percent, which is cool <laughs> for her. Um, but so anyways, it kind of started with like creating some of those systems of leadership. So traction and EOS, they go through level 10 meetings. So I just mm-hmm. took a level 10 meeting structure and I created that into a leadership team on my team. So having a senior associate doctor, starting from the very beginning, she was an intern from Palmer. So I was able to train her, 
create systems around that, have videos, have scripts, have everything like really systematized. And then we just really practice what we preach, right? In every Mm -hmm. single way. And then when we brought on more doctors, she was able to train them all. And so then when she was leaving to go open up the other impact, we had her train and work with our next senior associate doctor. And so it's just been nice to be able to have, like, we can learn from each other too. All of our docs go through ICPA or CACCP, which I found mm-hmm. out there's only like 988 CACCPs and four of us are CACCPs. So that's kind of cool. That is really um, cool. But so we, we do doctor training. We're just really structured. I'd say Mm -hmm. from a day-to-day like time blocking schedule. Um, If we have doctors trainings every single Wednesday for an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the Wednesday, we have marketing meetings once a month that are structured and have an agenda. We have the team trainings, the team, the CA training separate from us. So everyone's really structured. And even though our docs have all been here, like I think the, the least amount is three and a half years now. Well, um, yeah. So even though we've all been a, together, that's unheard like of. Eight, that's unheard eight of. years to three and a half years is yeah. like the, we've all been together. We still like Wednesday, we still do doctor's training. Yep. <laughs> so sometimes it's like, let's go through some cases together. Let's look at our patient cases and, and they do doctor's meetings too. So that's something with having multiple doctors in a practice too, that I had to develop like some structure around because our patients will see everyone. Um, they know who's going to be on the floor at what time. So when you get in a multi-doc office, like you guys can imagine when you get associates in the, your OG patients are going to be like, no, I only see him, you know? So you kind of have to train your patients. You've got to get a system around training your patients and then a system around training these docs. So you don't just throw them in, you know, because you get, I always say you get one chance with patients, like, and we've learned that even from when Dr. Laura started with me back in 2015, she, there's still people who wouldn't see her like seven (laughs) years later because of that one intern. Well, she didn't adjust as an intern, but like first year adjustment. And she's like, come on, I promise I'm good. Yeah. So yeah, structure, I think is everything. And then following through with it. I'm not a structured person of like, here's the script. You guys all have to say the same exact thing. Like we all have our own personalities. We have personalities too. We're not just like, let's talk about subluxation and not talk to our patients about them at all. You know? So I think allowing like that flow within all the doctors is super important so they can each be their authentic self, but having structure in the way that we care for patients, knowing that if a patient asks us a question, we're all going to give really similar answers, do a similar adjustment modification or whatever, because we've got like our technique and touch and everything down. That's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. What are like, um, what are some differentiating qualities that you see between like associates and like business owner, entrepreneur, like quote, like owner practitioners, like since you see both and you're hiring both, like, um, what are, where do you feel like that delineation is between like, yes, I'm a practice owner and yes, I'm an associate. Hmm. That's a great question. I don't know if it's like character values or any traits I'd say like that you'd find on a strength finder or something like that. However, there is this test called the PDP. Have you guys heard of it? Nope. Um, it's at least when I've done it, I've had to pay like over $200 a test. So it's quite expensive to do. So um, they do offer it in Cairo matchmakers. If you like are using Cairo matchmakers for 
um, hiring an associate, but this PDP will tell you like who's a builder, I guess. Um, I'm, I've just ran it on some of us when we've gone to different conferences, so I haven't ran it on everyone, but I really think it can change because I look at Dr. Laura, who's now my business partner in Loveland and was senior associate doctor and came in as an intern. Like she will tell you guys, she was like happy, you know, being an associate. She was like, that's what I thought I'd do. And then it was, I had the opportunity to purchase a different practice, not even the one we opened together. And she kind of got like the itch. Cause I started talking to some of the other doctors. Cause I knew she, she told me she didn't, she had a, she had a great salary and she was, you know, having babies and kind of in a really, mm-hmm. you know, not comfortable place in life, but balanced. I would say like, you know, got her weekends to herself and didn't have the stress of being a business owner. Right. But still got to like give love and serve. And so then I start looking at these, this clinic and show it to all of them, but I'm kind of offering it to others not her. And she was like, what the hell? Like (laughs) I can do this. I train all of our doctors. I like, I can do this. And she became a business owner and she just does things like it's, it's nice to do it together because, and that's why like I'm partnering on eight to 10 more impacts in the next 18 months. And so Yes. I'm super pumped. Um, and wow. yep. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been fun, um, going through like partnerships. Cause it's kind of like dating, you know, where you're like, okay, we're like signing. I put my, like I put, I co-sign on everything, yeah. you know, and like the reason some people can get loans who aren't able to get business loans is because of my financials. Right. So it's like, I've in some ways partnering on a business is you can't just divorce. You can, the way out is not easy. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the buyout is easy on the way that I structure it. So yeah. Um, I don't know if I answered your question about like, no, I, think you have. <laughs> I don't, I think anyone can become a business owner. I don't think it's hard. Um, I think you just have to like be consistent and follow through and hold yourself accountable. And mm. if you're like looking for a little more freedom in your life in the beginning, being an associate in some ways, but not in every office. Some offices suck. Like, yeah. suck. Yeah. That's what I think. There's just no generalizations on this because some associates in these offices are are working a lot more than my friends who have opened offices have had to work as the yeah. owner. So yeah. it just depends where you're at. Like, some jobs are cush and some really suck the life out of you. Yeah, and I think I think I mean just a a subtle shout out. I've been following Kyra Matchmakers now for a little bit and at least from what I've heard from Stephen Franson and, and that whole crew, it seems like a really great way to find the right associateship for someone yeah. that's, that's leaning more that route. Yeah. Yes, so they do their due diligence really well. And if you are in a, I, that's who my zoom call was with earlier, Alan and Steve. Okay. <laughs> so nice. Funny when I was like, I was on zoom earlier, but um, they do a really good job at doing their due diligence on like the matching obviously it's matchmakers, but also I think the lowest starting is in the 80 thousands usually for an associate. So I feel like they make sure the docs they're working with are paying a good salary. I shouldn't state that in general, but for sure, it's like pretty fair than what you can. From what I've generally seen over the last four or five months, that that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Yep. So like, um, in like all the talk of hiring an associate, like when you're in startup mode, like where do you feel like when when do you start like coaching docs to be like, hey, it's time for you to start looking for an associate? Like I feel like Zach and I are both like, hey, in the next year, we're probably going to need some help. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's different ways to look at it. So you can look at your volume. You can look at it depends how your practice is structured, right? If you have like um, more open adjusting, like mine was like 
uh, cluster booking, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can fit so many more patients in that time. There's more like ease and flexibility with that. And so um, I had to start looking at like physicality for me. I also, I was like, okay, how much more can I, I do full, I'm side posturing patients, like mm -hmm. full adjustments. Oh, yeah. If I had a technique that was maybe more like an instrument technique, I could probably see a lot higher volume. I could see a lot. High, that's not probably, I could see a lot higher volume. Right. So there's one way of first starting to make sure you're looking and putting yourself first and your physical health and mental and emotional health is part of that too. Right. So, um, look at that. If you're someone who has a practice, that's like my, my patient appointments are 10 minutes. So I can see six a minute or six an hour, excuse me, then you can figure out what your capacity is there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can really do projections and figure out what like your revenue capacity is there too. And then have like the attrition and figure out retention with all of that. So I like to look at numbers always with every business decision. Right. And so you can look at those, but also like I grew up in chiropractic where you saw a thousand patients a week. Like that's what mm -hmm. I worked at an office that saw 2,800 patient visits a week when, before I went and opened. So it was like, and that was like full physical adjustments again, um, in Texas, that's where I was down in Houston. Um, so I like got to see this like high level of capacity, but also like learned at an old weightlifting injury disc gone. I was like, I, there's a certain point where I knew I kind of had my physical max, especially with getting pregnant, having babies, like that changes your entire physicality of how you can adjust at certain times when you have relaxing going in your body too. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of factors is what I'm trying to say. And then, so you could look at your volume and let's say you're at a certain volume. You're like, you know, I think I could do double this. And then I'm probably like spent, or I could do that. I could see this many patients a day. And then I'm like spent, but then I would say, look at your revenue, look at your profitability and start to plan. Okay. If I want to bring an associate in, in my area, an associate is, I'm just going to use the 80 grand, you know, like that may not be feasible at, at please. No one listening to this think that's what you should be getting paid or that's what you should pay someone else. I'm just using that number because it was the chiro matchmakers number, mm -hmm. but let's say it's 80 grand in your area. Right. My um, best piece of advice is make sure you have at least half of that annual salary saved. So you have 40 grand sitting aside in an escrow account before you even begin the interview process. Well, if you're in like Podunk, South Dakota, you might need to begin the inter interview process like two years ahead of time, but <laughs> you guys are fine. You yeah. guys have like the cream of the crop in your area, right? So um, you're going to be fine with interviewing in that whole process, but um, making sure that you have that saved because the first six months to 12 months of bringing in an associate doctor, especially if you're bringing in a student, you might lose money. You might lose money that whole time. So you want to make sure like you have that nest egg ready um, for worst case scenario. I've actually never seen that happen with anyone. I'll just say that, but I always, <laughs> like, I am like a prepared businesswoman, And so I will always say, save at least half of that and have that prepared. And there's other structures too. You can set up more of an IC structure. You can, if you're worried about having that cash on hand, you can come up with some other more flexible structures. I don't know if those will always be structures that you can retain those doctors with and have them with you where they're like getting a good salary and, and bought in, you know, their life is able to stay there because they're making enough for, to live really well. Yeah. Um, super good. And a question I, along that same topic, what are some reasons not to hire an associate? Like if this is why I want to hire an associate, what would you recommend for someone? Like if that's their thought, do not yeah, hire like, an associate. Well, are you saying like ever, like maybe no. even for a boutique practice and like, 
that kind of, or would you say like, you're not in a place to hire an associate and here's why? Uh, both. Both. Yeah. Okay. So I would say the first one, some people shouldn't have associates if, well, if they have big egos, first of all, because that associate's always going to be just an associate or like, I always say like, get your name off the practice. Sorry, I'm not sure the name of your guys' practices, but if I had like Rigney Family Chiropractic, that's not very welcoming for another doctor, right? Mm -hmm. Or if I built my name up so much that like patients are calling saying, I want to see Dr. Elise, that's always going to make them secondary. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just starting off right away and not a welcoming, inclusive place for other doctors to come. And then, um, and then if your ego, like, let's say you started a technique, okay, I'm just going to say, like, we know plenty of people who have started techniques. And if you're not good at teaching that technique, um, but you want to practice it and you want to see the person, you know, the people get the results because of you and the way that you practice that technique, you should probably just have a boutique practice because mm. no one is, everyone's going to fall short in your mind. And we do see that too. Um, and I think if you just want to have like a nice, um, like I say this up in like Vail in Colorado, like if you just want to have like a nice, I'd call it a retirement practice, but Hey, maybe you have flexibility in your income. Maybe you have other sources of income, that sort of stuff. But you want to be like, Hey, it just snowed. Let's get out and ski having a practice. That's like two day, three day a week and not having more people to manage that you might have to go cover so that you can maintain that lifestyle. Then you probably shouldn't have a an associate either, but from a business standpoint, um, numbers are going to, are going to be everything. Numbers are going to speak as to if this is smart decision or not. Like if you are, I don't want to say barely making ends meet, but if you're not already taking in, what is your ideal salary? Don't bring in an associate yet. Like get yourself to your ideal salary and then more, like I would go on top of that, like 25,000 more or whatever, cost of living is different everywhere, but I'd get over the hump because that way, if for some reason you had to cut into your salary, like you're like, oh, well, I actually just want to make this All right, You know, originally I want to make this. So it's okay. I've got a little cushion in this. It's hard not using yeah. numbers, but numbers like can people attach feelings to numbers, right? So if I for used sure. a number, people are going to be like, I don't make that. I suck. So mm -hmm. I just like, don't want to say numbers out loud, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Nice. Super good. Super good. So, um, what are some, like, whenever we say numbers, like, what are some of like the major like KPIs that you're looking for? Like, what are like some of the big numbers that people need to be looking at in their office, like to know if they're ready for some scale or not? Okay. So usually with KPIs, so key performance indicators, um, or some people will say key personal indicators too. So anyone listening who might not know what that is, you can find out more about that interaction too. Um, but KPIs are more like those metrics, right. That we measure in our practices, but then also in my practice, every individual team member has their own KPIs too. So though there's KPIs when you're hiring on an associate that you'll want your associate to track, the main one I like in my practice, because we're a family-based cash practice plans, is conversions for my associates. So if they're doing day one, day two, which we actually do a full condensed one day now in this office, which is fabulous, um, but they still convert them to a care plan. So their conversions, they'll take how many patients they presented care plans to that month and then um, how many signed up for care. And then they'll have a conversion amount. We always want to keep that. We'll have like a benchmark and then we'll have different tiers of what they want to hit to have those bonuses come in under their KPIs. Um, so having those individual ones for your associates is important. But before, if you're looking at the KPIs of your practice, like I think you were asking about to know if a 
um, associate, if you're ready for an associate, that's interesting because I do think you need to look, I can't think of like a specific KPI because everyone's practice is so different that I'd be like, Hmm, this practice is ready for an associate. I will say generalized again, because everyone's practice is different. If you're upper cervical, this is probably not going to be relevant at the same numbers I'm going to use, but, um, or yeah, a lot of different models, but what some of my friends and I have talked about who have multiple doctors is coming up with like that number of how many patients per doctor makes sense. So what I hear is like anywhere from 250 patient visits to 350 patient visits a week per doctor. So when you hit 200, 250, this is general information. No one get mad at me, but when you hit 250, And when you hit 200, start searching for a chiropractor because you want to go through a professional hiring process when you bring on a chiropractor. So you want to plan that all out Um, and then a training period. So what I do with when docs come in, they have 90 days of more of like that probationary period, we'll call it. And they get through a 90 day checklist of training and then a six month training period after that. So they're not actually fully signed on and contracted on until nine months. And they have to hit KPIs before they're fully welcomed on more signing. So um it's so backtracking that, um, you could go off of numbers like KPIs like that. If you have like a volume metric that makes sense. So some docs too, when they hire on CAs, they'll say like, I want one CA per doctor. So when you add on your guys's next doctor, you'd have two doctors, make sure you have two CAs. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, if you want to bring on more of like a part-time or full-time marketing CA, you might do two and a half CAs to two doctors, but kind of having that like balance is really good. I think you saw mine was six to five, but I don't actually, I don't see patients. So it's really five to five, you know, it's not, yeah. I, don't, I don't take up much of their time. Hopefully not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, no, I I mean, no, that's great. I have definitely I'm, your revenue, like revenue is everything. I will always say that. And then like the profitability of your revenue, like it's, right. you know, that's super important. You could be making a crap ton and spending it all. And like, that's not going to help you with adding on team members and, do you have a in regards to profitability do you have a certain um man i can't a certain margin that you like to see in practices yeah yep definitely it's um like we'll look at margins for payroll so Mm -hmm. that's one to look at within chiropractic usually the standard is to try to keep your payroll between under 30 percent for sure um but 20 to 25 percent And then there's different marketing. You'll hear like generalized eight to 12% goes to marketing. I think that's mixed. I don't need to spend that much on marketing. Um, But once you build up the reputation of your practice and you have referrals and stuff, like I would say use leeway with all of that, but you could look at that um, payroll and be like, oh, I'm actually only at like 13%. But then I'd question you, like, look at what you're paying yourself and all of that too, just to make sure. And then you got to think tax strategy, which are you guys doing tax strategies yet? Maybe we we're should talk about that because you need to start that right away. Yes. Yeah, so let's working. dive into it. Let's dive okay. into it. What are you doing for tax strategies? Well, we <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> currently are searching for a CPA. That's the hardest thing to find is a CPA that yeah. will take us on. I, okay, I have well, found I have found a CPA and I'm interviewing him. I just don't, I mean, I'm going to interview him, but I don't have the questions to interview him. So yeah, I have three interviews coming up in the next four weeks. So we will see. You guys been doing your own books then this whole time? No, I have no. a bookkeeper that does my own books. Bookkeeper. Yeah, I also then, have a bookkeeper. Okay, cool. So 
your accountant will not likely help you with tax, tax strategy. So I'll tell you that right now. Um, it's just kind of, this is the comparison I like to use. It's like, if you were an insurance chiropractor, let's say you see PI cases, personal injury cases or whatever. No, let's go with like normal insurance, commercial insurance. If a patient came in, we know like, okay, we build them for low back pain. Insurance is going to cover six visits or something like that. I might be, I haven't done insurance. So I could it's do something whack this, like that. This is my understanding, right? Well, okay. Sorry. You got cut off. Um, and, but you know, you know how you just fell the other day and your shoulders bothering you. If you tell me about that, I can build, you know, like they, we can get you six more visits. Like there's ways to kind of like, we have this information, but it would be fraudulent for us to like, try to mm. coerce them. Even if it is yeah. true stuff, it's the same thing. Accountants, they can't be like, you know, if you categorize this <laughs> under team outing versus marketing, you'd actually get a higher deduction for that. You know, like they're just not, or if you use this vehicle for this, it could, or if you use your home to have your team over for Super Bowl party, Augusta yeah. rule. Yes. Like that's, you know, they're not necessary. If you find someone who does that great, but mm -hmm. it's challenging to find that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. know I've been, I've been mentored by Dr. Paulo Feely and he's big on tax strategy um, and going to his seminars. It's like a, a fire hydrant of different ways to expense and everything. Um, but he's, he's dropped a lot of, I guess, Easter eggs in the, into my basket. Now I'm like, okay, how do I start deploying these uh, into our practice and things like that? Yeah. That'll be good with when you're interviewing accountants too, to ask some of those questions and just kind of get, get a feeling like my accountant who I've had for years has always been really, um, conservative. So like I have mm. to, I know I'm going to, I know I have really, I'm very clean in everything, but I still try my best to like do whatever I can. And then we have Cairo pro accounting, which I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Yeah, um, yep. Yep. On the other business too. And they are great. They are phenomenal at that. They just usually are at capacity for clients and stuff. So it's harder to cool. get in with them, but they definitely yeah. do tax strategy for you. Yeah. So I guess a tax strategy I'm curious of is like as a business owner, paying yourself a salary, but then keeping yourself on the lower end salary wise, that way you're in a lower tax bracket and then taking out those owner withdrawals. Um, and is that something you'd, you'd be willing to talk about or things like that just for our listeners? Yeah, let's. Okay. I do want not want to sound conceited, but the level I'm at an income, right? I, right. there's no, way I'm getting under a tax bracket anymore. So I haven't thought about all this stuff in a little while. So I, I don't mean to sound whatever, but I'm also being honest. Like you guys are getting, you guys are going to be there where like, you don't qualify for Roth IRAs. Like you will be in this place where you're like, I don't remember all the strategies I did in the beginning. And I don't know if it still lines up with tax law. <laughs> I try to talk about it, but I don't want to give bad advice either on some of it. So when you guys salary yourself, are you an LLC filing as an S corp? Mm -hmm. No. I'm not. What are you? I'm just an LLC. Okay. Have you looked at that? Yeah. And everybody's like, I'm getting like 50-50. Like, yes, you you should do S Corp. No, you shouldn't do S Corp. Yes, you shouldn't do S Corp. No, you and then I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, ask your accountant. And I know. I'm like, hey, accountant, what should I do? And they're like, Well, we are not taking new clients or we don't know anything about chiropractic. So Or they're like, ask an attorney. That's what they say next. And you're like, Yeah. Okay. And that's it's what, like, that's what they say. And then I say, mind. then you hit the attorney and you say, Hey attorney, what should I do? S corp wise. They're like, ask your accountant. And then you're like, or they're no. like, Hey, pay this retainer. And you're like, Oh, dang. Okay. I know, I know. Yeah. everything's like a triangle. And then you get a financial advisor involved 
And dear Lord, they're like, I can't tell you to do this or not do this, but But if I were you, I would maybe think about this. So ask your accountant and then you keep going around the marriage. (laughs) You're like, bro, Uh like somebody just give me the straight answer. And I uh, totally feel you with that. Yep. Yep. So I've always, uh, on all of my Cairo brick and mortar practices, I have always done LLC filing as an escort. Um, and so definitely what I, what I did even from the beginning is once I got myself W2, right. I would put all of that money. I wouldn't even see any of it go into my direct deposit in my personal bank account. I prepaid all my taxes that way. So then what I lived on was draws. And so mm-hmm. draws then are taxed at what is it? 16%? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So then I'd live on draws. Right. And then figure out what I could expense that was ethical to expense through the business too, as I um, was building too, or I still do that, of course. And then um, I don't know about staying under a tax bracket because your adjusted gross income, I don't know, it's still going to show up with your draws too, isn't it? Yeah, maybe we don't maybe, know because maybe you don't draw like that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that for me, I didn't like getting stuck with tax bills. So I've always right. pre taxes in. Um, and then I try to take advantage of like accelerated depreciation at the end of the year too. So like your first year, there's so much you can accelerate that depreciation. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Where do people like us go to learn about things like that? Because yeah. like that, I mean, like we can talk to you about it but we won't really grasp it until we like, until we're face to face with it. Right. So like, where do we go to like prepare for tax strategy yep. besides like talk to your accountant? Good question. So I have done it. I will say like um, pieces from a bunch of different people. Right. So mm-hmm. who I like a lot is Garrett Gunderson and he runs wealth mm-hmm. factory and he's got a cool PDF. I feel like he puts out a free PDF each year that has like the Augusta rule on it, has section 179, has a lot of real estate stuff on there that's really helpful. Um, I would, I haven't paid for his services so, and I'm sure they're phenomenal, but I feel like I've always gotten really good free advice off of Wealth Factory's website or Instagram ads that come at me. Um, and then, geez Louise, let me think about that. If I find more, you can put them in your show notes. Yeah, I feel like I just yeah, I feel like it's a lot of like talking to other chiropractors. I'm big into EO, which is entrepreneurs organization, and that's been super helpful because that's all business owners in there. And so like even like the R and D tax credit, um, now that's big in chiropractic because there you'll see them at different events, but it wasn't always as well. Maybe it hasn't been around forever. Maybe that's why it wasn't as well known, but like my EO, there's like guys in there with like software companies and stuff who are doing that. So I just have kind of, I hear it just like you guys are doing. And then I write it down and then I'm like, let's go figure. And then I send it to my accountant. Can I do this? Yeah, I should be able to do this. My friend did it. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to get an accountant. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Locked in the one. That's what I figured too. That's been like on my, that's like my red flag uh, task to do. It's like top priority every day. Yeah. Yep. And then I'd say like having like quarterly meetings, at least with your accountant is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah. Thanks. Well, uh, if you're listening, learn about your tax strategy to where you're not like us and they're like, I don't know what to do. What now? But that's what this podcast is about. But anyway. And Dr. uh, Paul, if you're listening, I apologize that I just 
I, I suck at learning your tech stuff, but I will learn it one day. So well, to kind of shout out, there yeah. you go. Yeah, shout out, Paul. Um, so to like kind of bring it back to like the business growth part, where do you feel like a lot of chiropractors kind of get stuck in their scaling? Uh, or like, what do you feel like is like usually like the biggest limit, like in, you yeah. know, a multi-million dollar practice versus just like several hundred thousand? Yeah, well, they always say like, what got you to six figures won't get you to multiple six figures. What got you to, you know, half a million won't get you to a million. And it is truly like, I think what I see holding chiropractors back from scaling is trusting other people. And mm. so even if you think about when you get your first CA, right, like, you you might be kind of micromanaging, like checking the text messages, making sure they responded well, you know, like kind of doing things. You're like, okay, they got that or, oh shit, they didn't do that. Oh, sorry. Oh, they didn't do that. And I'm, should I just do it? Or should I go talk to them and like walk them through this? And I don't want to micromanage them, but I also see they didn't do this. Like it's that, like, it's literally how you start with your first CA. Now you've got someone you're trusting to like adjust your patients, right? And your people and you're like, oh, but they don't know that this patient needs this type of an adjustment. And, you know, it's like kind of getting like everything from you and all of your knowledge and thinking of it as mentoring other people, because otherwise it will always be on you. And then you're just going to complain and be like, I'm so tired. I'm drained at the end of the day and I'm stuck. Or maybe you are growing. Like I, that's when I first scaled, I was like, shit, I am like growing. I did not expect this fast of growth. And now I hurt and my body hurts and like, I'm, you know, and then I got pregnant and it was, you know, like I need help. And so it was kind of forced me into it. And then once yeah. I got injured, that forced me into it more of like, I can't even like reach for an arthro stem without like my disc just putting me on the floor. So I was like, I have to trust people. So I was forced into it, but if you're not forced into it, I'd say that's what hurts people. That's what stops people from scaling. And then finances, like when you see how much you're like, okay, I got to this level of revenue. And you're like, oh, I can do that by myself. Okay. Now let's get to the next level. And you're like, well, I still can do this by myself. And like, look how much more I could take home this way. I could start paying off my student loans. I could start. It's like, you think more like minute instead of thinking so expanded of like, if I can continue to grow and expand and scale what seems like a lot right now that I can do by myself, I can actually 10 X plus that with more people, mm -hmm. but it's taking the time. Like where a lot of chiropractors get stuck is they get so big. We'll just say, um, busy. Okay. We'll say busy for themselves where they have to be seeing the patients and they have to be doing the day ones. And they do, you know, like they're just in it like where you guys are right now, but then think of being at max capacity. And then they finally hire someone on and they have no time and energy to train that doctor. I mean, I don't blame them. They're like going nonstop anyways, and they just can't pour into them appropriately. So it's kind of like, you got to find that sweet spot before you get to burn out yourself, where then you burn out that associate doctor, or you just make them miserable. And they're like, I don't want to do this. You don't look like you're having any fun, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you guys have seen that, right? Oh yeah. yeah. We hear oh, about yeah. it all the time. It's yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think that's definitely, I mean, one thing I don't know if you saw me, saw me laugh. Um, but there have been still moments I've had my, my CA now for, uh, eight months. It's August. And there are still times where I'm adjusting someone. We're a very open setting and I'll hear him on the phone and I'll like catch myself supposed to be present with the person on the table. Yeah. And I like hear him say something. And I'm like, Oh, I, I would have said that a little bit different. I'm like, Oh, that's, I just got to let that go. You know, 
like cringe. And, yeah. And, and it definitely has an effect in the office where it becomes very walking on uh like Egg just walk shells. yeah on eggshells yeah um yeah. and it's just like okay i gotta i gotta let go of this and and one pour more into him uh and training and then also just be like okay he's got a different yeah. way of talking on the phone than i do yep yep i literally think about how many like i think of everything not everything i think of a lot in sports analogies right and it's like you think of how much training goes into like the fundamentals over and over and over and over and like training season and it's like we don't always bring that into our practice even if we think we do we can fall short of that or once you know like my docs are very seasoned like all the docs we don't have a newbie doc at all anymore And Mm -hmm. so it's like, we could easily be like, we know what we're doing. We've been doing this together for years, you know? And it's like, no, we are going to stay on top of our game. And that's what, what got us here is because we're constantly like investing in our own growth and personal and professional development. Yeah. That's like what you hear with like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, like come, come training camp in their 15th season. They were still the ones, first ones there, last ones out and that kind of thing, even though they've done it won many Super Bowls, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. So many so good come, Ryan. You go to ahead. To kind of bring that uh, thoughtful circle, would you say that it's this like more of the same or are you constantly having to like add new things in like to grow to these like larger levels? Like, do you, is it, are we, you know, we do the same systems, like we refine no. our, our foundations and we're- I wish, I wish chiropractic stays the same, thank God. But like, <laughs> no, I feel like we have modified- and taking things to the next level every single year and not in all ways, but like I said, I used, so when I started, I did like, um, group doctor's reports back in the day. And like, that's how I signed up patients for care. And then I went to like a day one, day two system. And well, at one point when I was like working in Texas, it was like a three or four day system that I did down there. And then last year, maybe a year and a half ago, I just created a one day system because I'm like, we have digital x-ray here. We have scans here. Like if we don't feel comfortable adjusting them the first day without, you know, what, because mm-hmm. we see something on there, then we won't. But like we can finish a day one, day two in one day and like get, you know, ma- really have them make a decision right there too. And then yeah. get them on their care plan instead of like worrying about all the schedule stuff and all that. So I feel like then we moved to a one day system and then, and then it's like all the AI and the marketing, like marketing, <laughs> even like our wellness has changed how we do it. Oh, definitely all the softwares, you know, so I feel like things change all the time. And that's why we have to have that time set aside for training too. And yeah. even like our training manual. So in Cairo intensive, I do um, a lot of like, everyone has a role and we go through each team member's role and we define all their roles and all of that. Well, now I've got it all digital and our whole training manual digital so that it's on Google drive and attaches to loom videos and attaches to trainings you can see in the office and goes through our core values. And it's like, before that would have been paper. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So, so it's like just kind of continuing to yeah. modify as you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, a uh, I I was just in Boise two weeks ago with Ryan Ryder um, from the UK and he has a great, he says it all the time, but like every level has a new devil and he has that, the oh. South African accent and it just sounds really funny. Um, but exactly what you're saying where it's like each time you, you think you're like, Oh, I'm at a, at a cush spot. Right. And it's like, Oh crap. Yeah. Now I got to deal with this. Now I got to deal with AI. I, you know, didn't have that on my, my 2023 bingo card, you know? Yep. Yep. Totally. It's, it's interesting. And then I've just expanded amongst, you know, like in chiropractic and, 
other companies too, and real estate and all of that. So it's kind of like, okay, I've got the chiropractic thing down now. Let's take this to the next level. Or like right now, um, the docs who I'm looking to partner with on these next offices too. I'm like, okay, now this is partnership. Like this is mm-hmm. different. Too. Can't run all your tax strategies through a partnership like you do on your, your first practice. Right. And so there's just lots of like differences and changes and you're it's, I like, I love the strategy of being a business owner though, too. Like I love problem solving. So yeah. figure it out. But the thing is, is you have to think outside the box too. Cause when you get to a certain level, no one's doing what you're doing. And right. so it's like, who do you go to for that? I don't know. Or you see things you definitely don't want to do, which you guys have probably seen a mm-hmm. lot of in yeah, your own yes. practices too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else, Zach? I got another follow-up question. I got I got tons. So you yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the thing is, is like with being the business owner, right? There's only so much business that you can be doing while you're also doing your 40 something hour adjusting hours a week or like, you know, 30 hour adjusting hours a week. So like, where do you as the owner chiropractor, like, where do you try to like get yourself? Like, what's like the role of that? Does that kind of make sense? Like, because like, I want to, I like really have found that I like really love the entrepreneurial strategy, business strategy stuff, honestly, more than I love like the clinical aspect of things. And that was a realization I like just came to, like, I like love the business I think, cause I can always think about it, but most of my day is spent doing just like normal care. So like right. where, like, yeah, what are the, what's the seat that you're trying to sit in as like the owner doc? Ooh, interesting. I think, um, I don't know if I know your exact question you're asking with this, but I kind How do of, I do more business stuff rather than yeah, like I catch the feeling stuff. behind it because that's how I am too. And I think first of all, like, I don't know if you're like this, but I had to like get unapologetic about it because like chiropractic is like, like my soul, like being a chiropractor is my soul. It's like my purpose, but also I found like how much I love business and I love unlimited potential. I love wealth building and I love mentoring other chiropractors and helping other chiropractors as business owners continue to grow too. And I was like, I don't want to feel like a phony that I'm not in practice. Like I'm not seeing patients anymore. Right. I don't want to feel like out of touch and I don't really know what's going on because I'm like, I'm still like literally in one of the practices right now, you know? So I'm like, I'm still here. I still know what's going on, but I'm not laying my hands on patients and I don't need to feel guilty for that right now. Cause I know I can make a greater impact in other ways, but I would say a couple of different strategic, I guess, tangible things would be um, right now you're probably doing this, but looking at your schedule and time blocking and putting CEO time in. So I, I always like to have, like, if you have a Tuesday morning off, I like to just time block that. Like I would patient hours. And it's like, this is CEO time. You can even have like creative time too, probably on a different day where you're like Friday afternoons, I'm off. I'm going to do two hours of creative work and go to the brewery or something like that. You know, whatever like is in alignment for you, but like time block that and stick to it. And then you do CEO work and CEO time. You do creative work and creative time. You can start to like, I like to time block my whole week out too. And then you at least know that you get those hours on CEO time, but then you, in your CEO time, you need to start planning how to decrease those office hours whether it's you decreasing them and just being more efficient and effective and productive in different hours or starting to pass off some of those hours to the next doctor coming into. Nice. Nice. Um, I know that's, that's a huge, what you just said, I have like CEO time blocked off and it's just a huge 
I guess, weakness of mine where it's not a non-negotiable. And so mm-hmm. something will come up and I'm like, oh, I'll just go do that. Um, and it, yeah, it's like and easy then to like, let that go. Then six weeks goes by and I'm like, oh, I haven't, I haven't done CEO time. And I'm like, that's why we're behind on this. And we haven't implemented that and this and that. And it's like, okay, time to get back well, to that. And you can start plugging it into your other hours. Like that's, what's kind of hard is like you can be in patient hours and mm-hmm. then have some time between patients and all of a sudden you're responding to some stupid email and yeah. like your head's not in the right space. And you're like, why did I even do that? Or I didn't even finish that email then, you know, like there's just ways where you don't stay like in the zone too. Um, but okay. If you have 30 to 40 patient hours a week, what are your hours? You talking to us? Yeah. Oh, I have 28 patient hours. Okay. Yeah. So I, I still have a lot of time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, who's seen 40 hour, pa- 40 hours with patients? No, no. Yeah. No. I think we do like, I think we do 20. Yeah. Like 28 or okay. 30. Yeah. Like so that. we, we said we have Tuesday mornings off. Um, that's typically yeah. when we would be recording this podcast. Um, oh. And I'm still, I think for me, a lot of my time is still like, I'm in a town where I don't know anyone. So I'm at like networking meetings or this or that. Um, and so I, I, I'm excited when I look towards the future when I'm no longer just trying to shake everyone's hand um, yeah. and I can actually sit down at maybe not a brewery Tuesday morning since we're, we're seeing patients, but a, a coffee shop. Morning, but yeah. Your creative time <laughs> at other days. No, I, know, I know. I know. I, just... Like the grind of what you guys are in right now though, like to be able to look back on that, I'm telling you, like it is, it's funny when people meet me now and I'm like, I did all that in a shitty ass car that I wasn't even sure was going to get me there in a <laughs> Stinky ass blue carpet apartment. Like I had no leg up in life at all. Um, I only had debt to my name. And so like I went and did all the networking and the screening and like whatever it took, you know, to be able to like look back later on and be like, it's, and especially do you guys have kids yet? No, no. This is the time. Like that's what we both say all the time. Yeah. That's what, that's what both of our, both of our fiancés are also chiropractors. And I know one thing, my fiance probably gets tired of hearing from me is like, now's the time for us to go. Cause like, we don't have kids. Um, yeah. Like we yeah, don't that's have why those other responsibilities, but I still try. One thing I do try to be cognizant of is for the most part, trying to create patterns and scheduling and systems that are sustainable. That way yeah. when kids do come into the picture, it doesn't throw like a huge train wreck into our office. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap. Like Zach had a kid. We're going to have a crap practice for the next two years, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the one who birthed them too. So I, I feel like right. I can give you guys some support on like, it's going to be okay. Um, But it is coming up with that plan. Like if you yeah. want to leave, I have um Tom Waller, who's a UK doc coming mm-hmm. on the Cairo summit and he's just been on paternity leave too. And so I hope he talks a little bit about that, but um, I feel like we should normalize that too. Like, yeah. you know, there's just so much more to normalize. Like if you want some freedoms like that, like there shouldn't be any you know, weirdness associated with that. Can we go in, can we go into a little bit? We don't have to go too deep into it, but just for the, the docs that are more in our situation, like if you can reflect back on those first two, three years in practice and what that was like and how you started and now how you started to start to see this bigger vision, like what, what did your education, your learning, the grind look like for you versus nowadays? Yeah. I like could get emotional thinking about it because it was like, um, I would say I, Lord, where to even start? Um, 
when I look back at like when I opened, first of all, I was at that high volume office in Houston Mm -hmm. and like, it was like the job was done like that. It was parting ways, no money, banks laughing at me, like girl, you got student loans and you have nothing, no assets. Right. So it was starting with nothing. And then literally just, I would go to like Goodwill and Ark, it's a thrift store here and like buy their office supplies. I'm not kidding. They had like office max, like nice, like labels and stuff there. And like, just kind of built up the practice from like what I could do at the time. And then just talked chiropractic all the time and got out into the community. And, um, I would say like, the one thing I can say, I had someone ask me this not too long ago is like, I knew I was going to be successful. Like, even if I was wearing literally thrift clothes, I was like from the thrift store and just trying my best to like, look professional. Like I got really Mm -hmm. good at finding like brand new clothes at the thrift store, but like, I really couldn't, I didn't have money to go get anything. Um, I, I feel like I still knew I was going to be successful no matter what. And it was, I was profitable the first month in practice. And I think it's just because I was consistent with systems that I knew and literally loved chiropractic. But I think gaining that confidence and that certainty in chiropractic and the principles of chiropractic too is important. Like if you feel wishy-washy, not you guys, but like anyone listening, like if you feel wishy-washy on the principle or you feel like there's like that fire's not burning inside of you. Like the fact I can be like, geez, I could get emotional right now because mm-hmm. like that got me through it. Right. That got me like, I didn't struggle with depression at that time. Not that that's not normal. I could totally understand people struggling with it, but it was like, if I didn't have patience, I would not allow myself to go on social media. Social media is part of marketing now. It wasn't as like cool back then, but like, I'd be like, here's the bigness of the fellow within you're mm-hmm. going to sit here and you're going to like read this because that's going to attract more patients in right now. And I would like, I'd go back to like Reggie and SIG and I'd listen to like, I had CDs and tapes. I had to buy a tape player for the doctor's office um, on Amazon not too long ago because I would just listen to it and they'd say things like, oh, I just stand at the adjusting table and like adjust fake patients, you know, that eventually mm-hmm. patients. I didn't go that crazy, but like, I definitely was like, keep your mind in a good place. Like it was always like redirect, redirect, call myself out for that, even though I had no one there watching me to call me out and be, you are engaging in low vibration activities right now, like hanging out on TikTok or whatever that wasn't around, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, I had to like, kind of have that, um, check-in moment for myself constantly. Like I had to hold myself accountable all the time, but I would say like investing in the community was the biggest thing. I didn't even have coaching my first year in practice, maybe my first 18 months. Um, and that was good because I didn't question myself. I think when I had Mm -hmm. coaches, I was like, oh, I didn't say that right. Or I didn't do that full script, or I should have done it their way. Or like, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't have scans for a long time. I couldn't afford that insight. (laughs) Um, even like, I don't even know if they would have leased it to me back then, but, um, it was like, you know, make do with what I have, what is a non-negotiable for me for how I want to care for patients. And then, um, yeah, the rest will come and it literally fell in and has continued to fall in alignment. It's insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cause I think at least for the the people, I not necessarily hang around, but in school and you just hear some people where they're, they're in their first year, but they want to be where you're at. And it's like, to me, I'm like, there, there's a, there's steps. Like you can't just go from, yeah. from A to Z. Um, and one thing I have to constantly remind myself of uh, a patient actually told me this, um, but she was like, you, you compare your chapter one to too many people's chapter 10 and you can't, you can't keep living life like that or else you're, 
just going to be stuck. You know, it's never going to be enough. So uh, that was awesome to hear you you talk about that that build up because I think a lot of us can forget that a doc like you also had to to go kind of work the town and and yeah. grind and hustle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I did all the awkward networking, you guys. I did. I screened in a freaking mattress store. Like, I I had to screen in a produce department at one point too. Like, That's I feel like I have yeah. had to do. Yeah, like I I hate to say. This, but like, I think when I was growing up in chiropractic, it was like really like toxic culture. And I know people could say that in other ways right now too, mm-hmm. but like for sure it was like, I literally worked 80 hour weeks when I was an associate and, um, and barely wow. got Sundays off, barely got Sundays off. We would be cause Houston traffic and stuff. I'd be at the office till 10 30 PM. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of crazy, but I do like the amount of docs who have been like, I went to Europe for a month. Right. <laughs> Like, oh, man. I want that. Like, yeah. I want that. And I'm like, you guys, I'm year 12 in practice. Like, this didn't just happen by mistake or by accident. Like, I have purposely planned my life and found the right people and support and poured into them to make this happen. It's not just like, cool, I'm lucky by chance and was able to do that, you know? Yeah. So it is, it is, it's about not comparing your chapters, but it's also about not reliving your same chapter every year. Like if you mm. keep reliving that same, you're going to have that complacent practice and, and life won't change. So, you know, if you're fine with that, some people love their check-in check-out. And I would say that that could be partially, I would say, I don't know if this is okay to say, I would say partially to answer your question before Spencer of like comparison of, you know, characteristics or qualities in an associate versus an owner, I would say 10% of associates if they want to live that lifestyle of like, I check in, I check out, I get to go home and forget about everything from the day. I can have a drink. I can watch Netflix, rinse and repeat. I get the weekends to myself. Then like, they probably shouldn't be an owner if they're like loving that lifestyle because that's not how it is. Right. But I think that's the repeating the same chapter every single year. And Mm. there's a lot of people in this world who are okay with that too. Nice. That was really really powerful. When you were talking about the whole, like, I just know, like, like, I'm not, I don't have anything in my name. I don't like, I just kind of walk in here and it's like, uh, and you're kind of like scrapping to get by. And then you're like, man, I don't have anybody coming in here, but I know I'm going to be successful. I feel like I like flash back to seven months ago when I was, I had two visits my first week, which I was like, man, I'm crushing it. And, uh, <laughs> like, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to be successful, but yeah, like just not just like, I'm going to sit in this office. Cause at some point I'm going to be here until six o'clock at night. And I'm going to, we were, I was just talking to somebody about that, uh, this weekend. And like, all I would do is like watch education stuff or like read green books or do courses. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm still working. Like it, it, I might not be seeing people, but I'm still here. And, uh, yeah, I think I, it's the integrity of sticking to that too. You know, it, it definitely is. You're not trying to escape. Like your work isn't, especially if you're feeling like the entrepreneurism pull even more too. It's like giving yourself that patience that you're headed, but it is like, I still feel it like in like my stomach will like feel it of even right now, like I've got millennial Cairo summit going. I've got the partnership expansion happening right now. And then I've got Cairo intensive in launch and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, you know, like that, <laughs> that nervous growth of like big things are continuing to happen that you feel it's like, it just keeps growing in different ways of like what's to come to. And I feel like that's what keeps you going, you know? Yeah. 
I think like, well, Zach and I were just talking about that. I and mean, we've been talking about it recently, like something like in the past like month or two for both of us has like really like shifted like in our brains, like of like, oh, like this is can this can get as big as we want it to be. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like there's nothing like this is infinite, like as as infinite as it can be. Where's what are some things that like we really need to like lean into to like propel us forward? Like toward that because that's the thing that like I don't want is to like relive the same chapter and so like where do we go like to really like take the next step definitely make sure you are always writing projections and goals and I know that can sound like boring but like break them down into your micro goals and keep revisiting them I would have each other as accountability partners and like just to be like hey my I like to have like three different goals so I like to have my personal goal my professional goal and then my financial goal and each quarter have those goals, but then be reassessing them and have your micro goals week by week. And you should attach like celebrations to them. I'm not as good at that, but I feel like I celebrate life all the time. So whatever, you know, like I'm always like, you know, order that's, the, that's just, order the campaign. Like that's just who I am. So it's just self self-validation because Spencer and I talk all the time about how we're just so bad at celebrating when we yeah. reach our goals. I remember because because you're, uh, you're like okay now what? Yeah. yeah yeah literally like you hit the thing and you're like all right well that's good but my vision is bigger than this mm-hmm. 200 I, uh, extra or something i have a yeah. story where i we hit i think it was like 100 in a week and i was like all right that was my reward is going to be a new pair of shoes and i remember telling that story to my mom and she was like that's it like just hundred dollar pair of shoes and I was like I, I'm trying to celebrate these goals and here I am not even celebrating right you know uh, but funny. no that's that's funny but I, I do like those goals and something again I've learned from from Ryan Ryder and I'm sure you're you're the same way where it's like the seven figure high performing docs and owners are super obsessed with numbers which it seems like you are and yeah. we were sitting in a mastermind and me and my buddy that were not seven figure docs um he was like what's the number right now with your PVA you would have to hit on patient visits per week. And I just sat there with like my mouth open. I was like, I, I have no idea. Um, and he's like, well, you're never going to hit that if you don't even know like what you're reaching for. And and it really made me go back and kind of, uh, reverse engineer it to really figure out. And now I have that number in my head. Um, when I, you know, if I ever write, bring an expo Marco home, I'll I'll write it on my mirror. Um, that's just a number that's constantly, living in the back of my brain to to obsess over that is my favorite thing when you can make like the revenue turn into people right mm-hmm. so you're not focusing on like seven figures or whatever it is and you can backtrack it into like people's lives who are changed because of this mm-hmm. but then you know that the abundance follows and prosperity follows right and i'll just say because i'm at multiple seven figures now and mm-hmm. i'm really not trying to brag but i also think like no one says things these days it's kind of annoying I'm you can just say it like nobody's yeah. gonna judge so, you for your success i will say seven figures you guys everyone can do everyone can do it everyone mm-hmm. can have a seven figure practice not yeah like a cash practice like you can do it yeah i like that's the numbers that like i can't get out of my head is like a thousand a week five million yeah. is like just like it's just like when i say it it just sticks and it's like that's the only vision I really have. So like you see a like, thousand, like a thousand patient visits a week. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, that should be a multiple seven figure practice with mm-hmm. EWA. So like that's yeah. the thing. It's like I'll see people, I'll see, you know, a lot of these offices that go through certain practice management programs are like thousand patients a week. 
and they're collecting like seven, seven fifty a year and their OVAs just suck, you know? And so, well, I shouldn't say they suck. Maybe they, they're fine with them. Right. But it's like a Walmart value versus Mm -hmm. commodity chiropractic. Yeah. 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 So it's like being able to backtrack that at what your office visit average is at is pretty cool to be like, Oh, it's actually not a crazy amount for whatever that dollar amount is, you know? Yeah. Um, going into like some more like dollar amount stuff when, especially like as the business owner, since you have access to most of your capital that you're and your revenue that you're raising, when do you start using that to invest like in your own future, like alternative streams of income? I know you're big in real estate. Zach and I really both are really excited for real estate. I get almost just excited about investment properties as I do chiropractic. Um, yeah, real estate is is another, yeah, that's like. But definitely like an antsy one, I feel like, because it's like, okay, is now a good time or should I wait? Or should I, you know, like what part of real estate do you get into? You know, did you syndication or, um, but I, so for me, it was really important to pay off my student loans. I know there's a lot of people who are like, that's the last thing you do. There's all these strategies and stuff. But I told my financial advisor, I was like, look, this is a me thing. I will not feel successful until I pay these off. Mine were over 200,000. I know a lot of you guys have a lot more than that now, but it was, to me, that was a huge priority. So I just made that happen, right? But first I I did buy a home before then too. And that wasn't easy. I had to be in business three years, have mm-hmm. show profitability for that. Now I think you could still do it faster than that. Two, but back two, then, year, like, two, two years now. Yeah. Okay. Two that's years kind of W-2s. I will say that's the bonus of being an associate is like my docs can buy their homes and right. have yeah. right away. Um, Things you just would never think about opening a business. And then you're like, yeah. you, you meet a mortgage lender and they're like, oh, have you been in business for two years? And you're like, no. You're like, well, you, uh, you're stuck in an apartment. You're like, crap. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I would say like getting into some sort of real estate. Okay. If I was to do this again, and I think this is actually kind of the order I did it. Um, I can't remember what came first. I got into infinity banking with whole life policies mm-hmm. and started right away because this is the youngest and healthiest you're going to be. Well, maybe not the healthiest, but the youngest you're going to be and your health score should still come in really good at this age. Um, so getting that going on you, your partner, um, kids when you have kids and like business associates, if you need to do that too. Um, so I would say getting into that and then doing a whole life because whole life, I borrow money from myself. Have you guys gotten into like infinity banking whole life? Heard yeah, a little bit. Yeah. About I, yeah. I talked to about it with a couple of financial people and they're like, yeah, that kind of, it doesn't really work. And I'm like, it's worked for me really well. Um, yeah, so that's what I said. I'm like, I know a bunch of people who are super successful yeah. that it works well for them. So like, maybe I need a different financial planner. Well, no, I don't know. I actually think financial planners make more money when you do that too. So a lot of them will be like, no, don't do that. People are just selling you those to make money because they make good money selling whole life policies. But Mm -hmm. now that I've actually gone through, I've had mine long enough to be able to borrow from myself, be able to um, grow it to a significant amount too. I'm like, it's working for me, but I would not, I'm all about diversification, right? So I have gotten into angel investing. So I work with a venture capital firm. I'm one of the investment investors in that. And I have invested in six different companies this year. So that's a way to like, we usually do it like at seed funding levels um, and then sell out when they're going when IPO or going public. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a nice way that I've been able to like 
diversify in there. And I've done like crypto and all those other, you know, <laughs> S&P 500 and that sort of stuff. But I would say the order I would go would be somewhere along the lines of get your whole life locked in and then, um, and invest what you can into that. And then real estate, like your first piece of real estate, because when you have that, then you'll be able to have an asset to borrow against, to have on like your net worth statement. Like it's just, it will continue to grow, but like what type of real estate, like your first time is it, would this be your guys' first property? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, and then you could always do like the BRRR method if you want to do any kind of like flip type investment real estate, or if it's just your first home, that's okay. Like get your first home and then have that asset and it's going to continue to grow. You can always borrow from it too, depending on what mortgage rates are at. So I kind of was able to borrow from one of my first home increased multiple six figures in the time I lived in it. And so like that helped pay off student loans too. When- nice interest rates were low then. So mm -hmm. and it just sucks economy at different times. Right. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I mean, my, my biggest regret was being in first grade when, you know, 2009 know. happened. So that's, yeah. that was a big bummer of mine, but you would have missed, wanted missed out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My student loans went up. Cause I was like between your university and, um, Cairo school then. And so it was like, my university loans were like nothing. And then my student loans were like that 6.55% interest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah my student loans for Cairo school. I don't know if I said that right, but yeah. So would you say, I mean, just out of sheer curiosity, I know everyone has their different philosophies, but in regards to real estate, are you looking more multifamily? Are you looking single family or just really whatever you can get your hands on for that first property? I have, I have oh, the first one, geez, that's a hard one because you guys will be able to put down less in a deposit on that first one. Mm -hmm. um, so I would do whatever you can do at that. Like if you could find a duplex type situation yeah. where then you could be renting that out and they could pay your mortgage and all that, that's great. Um, I have land, I have commercial properties. I have, um, I don't have any short term, so I don't have Airbnbs going right now. Um, we kind do of, you, we do you have any, like, just cause I know at least in Dallas, short-term rentals are being almost outed because of yeah. A lot of that's that. Sorry, do you veer away from the Airbnbs? Yeah, that's kept me. But I've I have some land that I'm thinking about putting like a, and it's not in city limits, but it's close enough. Has mm -hmm. water and stuff, and I've thought about putting like a container home or yeah. something out there that would be like kind of Colorado esque, you know. And mm -hmm. I know people rent tiny homes out here, so yeah. I'm like, I've got to do something with this land right now. So I've considered that, but yeah, it is a little questionable on some of like the areas in our city for cool. Airbnb. Yeah. Cool. Now, I mean, a big question I have is how, so you have your angel investing, you have impact chiropractic that you're open eight to 10 practices in 18 months. You have yeah. Cairo intensive, you have the millennial, the millennial Cairo summit, you have kids, you have a husband and yep. you have all these, these rental properties. Yeah. How, like, do you just have a better brain than everybody? Like, how are you keeping this all together and being healthy and like how, what, what goes into your weekly planning or stuff like that? Yeah. Good question. So I, a lot of this just kind of runs itself now. So like the practices really do like Dr. Laura and I partnered on Loveland and we meet, um, on zoom actually, even though we're like not <laughs> close, we're like, we hang out as friends, but we're not talking about the practice. So we meet on zoom twice a month for an hour, maybe a little less. And so that's about, um, and I'm always there for her, of course, anything she needs, but like, that's on us practicing together for so many years. Like 
we are literally the same human in a lot of ways when it comes to chiropractic. So she doesn't really need me over there. So that practice runs itself. The impact Fort Collins is just so systematized and have, I have a leadership team in place. So that, you know, runs itself in some ways, but there's more people. So it's a little bit more of like the, um, you know, managing people side of things in some ways. Like I want to make sure I'm coming in and, Mm -hmm. you know, relevant, I guess, (laughs) staying like, you don't want to be super distant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then I just use this. So I own this property is, um, 9,800 square feet. So I have like impact on some of it and 6,800 square feet. And then I've got tenants in the other two suites. And so I just have space where I can come in here and work too. Um, and then, yeah, I'm definitely, I would say with my kids, I'm like, an. how do I say this? I have seasons and I plan out my seasons. So that's what I plan out more than my days. So that's why Cairo intensive is like fourth quarter. So like my kids, my husband, they know, like, she's like, she's working it in fourth quarter. Like mm-hmm. I am like here doing work stuff, connecting with other chiropractors. And then it's like come December and I've like rented out the Gaylord for us. So we've got Christmas activities, Santa train. Like I pre-plan all the fun. That's why I had a month in Europe before it was like, we're launching all these things mm-hmm. Taking on like the expansion for impact chiropractic with the eight to 10 practices. I'm starting all those docs in a cohort in January together. So not only do they have like me as their business partner and helping them guide. I mean, you guys know what it's like starting a business that like helping them through the whole process of like negotiating leases and tenant improvements and all the processes of starting a business from the beginning, they have me, but then they have each other too. And so Mm. they're going to like all open regionally, like probably staggered a little bit. That's why I say up to 18 months. Um, But it's going to be cool to like have that season. And then I'm not back on Cairo intensive until fourth quarter. And now I have three coaches this year on Cairo intensive too. So when I used to like manage every single cohort call, now Mm -hmm. I've got other docs who are like phenomenal doing all of that too. So I feel like I just, I know I attract really good people in my life. I am a good person. Like I am a very sincere person of integrity. Honesty is super important to me. So like I'm, I get those, you just know those people who vibe with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I can trust you. You can trust me. And you just kind of go to work, I guess. And then, so with my kids, it's like, I plan so much with those kids. We were in Bali for two weeks in March too. So like when I'm on, I'm very much on. And like my husband always says that he's like, you might have seasons where you're like, not have, you don't have as many hours, but I make sure I'm doing like drop-offs. I make sure I'm at jujitsu two times a week. Like I just, there's certain non-negotiables for me that are like, this is what I do. And then I fit everything else around it because I'm even like with my kids, like I will make playlists for them and I will have affirmations ready for them. Like I will have these things when I think about them and I'm not with them. So then when I'm with them, it's like, let's listen to the playlist or let me show you this. Like meme I found that reminded me of you or, you know, like there's just Mm -hmm. different ways to be intentional when you're not with the people you love too. But uh, I mean, you guys are business owners and like, we were just chatting, like there's this entrepreneur bug that it's like, if I just ignored it, I would not be a cool person to be around. Like everyone around me knows like, this is how I'm a high performing functioning human being. And (laughs) it's just like, what's best for society, society for the most part does not understand you. And yeah. And I delegate out everything you guys too. Like I atomic habits, like that's a great book. If you haven't Mm -hmm. read that, I just, I delegate so much. I, I have someone who I've hired to do my laundry. Like 
Mm -hmm. don't have to do any of our own laundry. Like it's just, yeah, getting to the place where, oh, buy back your time to Dan Martell's book. That's kind of like that whole delegation point too. Like I just really have put that all into place. Now, if I could get AI to integrate more and more of my life, that'd be cool, but that's not there yet. Most of it's <laughs> dependent on human beings. Yeah. yeah. You, still have to, you still have to type it into chat GPT. It just doesn't put it out yeah. for you. Yeah. I've been looking yeah. at all like the Zapier. Zapier? Have you guys mm-hmm. heard of that? Yeah. Like I'm trying to get some of those integrations. I'm sure you guys do that with podcasting too. Yeah. Uh, I just upload it and it goes, I just upload the zoom file and it just goes straight up and that's it. Sweet. That is yeah. nice. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, To kind of wrap everything up and to kind of um, bring everything to a close, I kind of want to talk about Cairo intensive just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, can you tell the listeners one, how they can, um, apply for Cairo intensive and then two what are the things that you're looking for for someone uh how do you get accepted to Cairo intensive and those things yeah. good question so um I would say Cairo intensive is um you can apply on like on cairointensive.com however right now you have to put in https backslash backslash for it to work so just a heads up if it looks like a broken link put that in there um and then to apply there's an application on there and then we do a discovery call with our coaches but i would say the best time to apply is if you're looking to grow and scale and then if you're looking to bring an associate on in the next year or if you already have associate doctors or already, if you're looking to um, partner in on other practices too, because we go through like operating agreements, buy sells, all that. I would say that's like the, you get a lot of like legal documents I've paid attorneys to work on, which I will always recommend have your own attorney look at, but there's a lot of that stuff in there too. Um, but I would say it's not for anyone looking to exit. Um, even though we do have some exit strategy interviews as some of the bonus material, it's not for exit strategy docs. I'd say it's really the millennial age docs that are mostly in it. And then those who are out of startup mode, making money, but also like, I can't do this forever like this. I need to figure out the next step. Like, you know, that feeling of when you get there and you're like, I'm making good money, but I can't keep doing this. So those are kind of the docs. I would say if you have those feelings you're in the hustle scale mode for sure getting in there. Um, but then if you're kind of planning out that associate, when to start growing team docs, that's a great time. Cool. Nice. That's super yeah. awesome. Definitely uh, looking forward to it. I don't know if we're on speak Cairo. for Spencer. Yeah. You want to talk about Millennial Cairo Summit? I don't know if it'll already be done by then. It's August 21st through the 25th, but that's this be, free. This will be uploaded next Tuesday. Yep. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Millennial Cairo Summit. It's free. It is five days, starts at 1 p.m. Eastern every day, Um, but it is, each day is kind of themed, but I have 40 millennial aged chiropractors who are coming in. The first day is really on like reigniting your passion um, for chiropractic. It's kind of just, if you're in that place where maybe like the, the business has gotten to you or just like, you're just in a place where you like need some new get dipped again. Day one is great for you. Day two is kind of cool. I feel like I'm bringing in chiropractors that not everyone's heard of. Um, I've got like the TLC chiropractor, Alessandra, Alessandra is coming on. Hmm. Um, but day two is really on innovative branding. I should like list it. So I don't sound ridiculous. Let me look at my paper. Um, oh, positioning yourself as a distinguished chiropractor through innovative branding. So I've got like, um, some doctors right now, it's kind of funny. I've had agents having to look at my contract. So I can't say everyone who's on, but Alessandra TLC approved, she's coming on. Um, but I've got like some who are like big on TikTok doctors coming on just 
concierge type chiropractic for that. And then Wednesday is becoming the best in your specialty. And we've got docs who um, are, you, you guys would probably know most of them, but like big in one area. Um, Thursday's leadership CEO mastery. And then Friday is scaling for impact. And these are docs who are scaling in all different ways. So I've got anywhere from um, a, oh gosh, what is this called? Well, Sadie's coming in and she's going, talking about going from associate to opening up your own practice and when to know to take that leap. But then we've got um, Austin Cohn who owns multiple practices. I don't even know how many he has all over. He even has one in Colorado. Um, so that's like a cool scaling. I'm excited to have him in on, on an interview for that. And then um, docs like Nona David is coming in and she does part-time million dollar practice. And mm -hmm. so just different levels. Everyone teaches a Ted talk. Um, so they should be teaching in their talk. Um, mm -hmm. It's pre-recorded. So then I can make sure that there's teaching happening too. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of going to be like that top level, um, top level content in there, which I'm super excited for. Awesome. And we, could, and we could definitely, I mean, I, I, I'll definitely be, be on there. So I'm excited yeah. to, to, to where, on, do, but... where do people go to get on the millennial Cairo summit? Millennial Cairo that summit. is chiropractic summits.com. That page opens tonight. So okay. um, it'll be open by the time we post this. We can, but... we can probably throw it in the show links. And stuff cool. Like that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I say that. I don't, I don't do that. Spencer, can we throw it I'll in the show that. links? It's pretty cool. easy. Cool. I can I DM it. it to you guys. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Be it's free, free to attend and like attend when you can. It'll be cool. I'm pumped. And some of the docs are giving away like freebies, like for different PDFs or courses or that sort of stuff. So you'll get like even more like free resources within the summit as well. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Man, this has been so good. Yeah. Super yeah, beneficial. Super beneficial. If you're, I mean, I'm sure like a Cairo student has probably maybe tuned it out just because it was a little more high level, yeah. like you got to be in it. Um, but this has been I mean, I have, I don't have a notepad next to me, but I've just been writing on sticky notes. Um, yeah. And so this, this has been great for, for us and definitely appreciate you, you spending your, your Monday night, uh, chatting up with us and giving us a ton to think about and really look forward to, to talking more, more chiropractic business scaling, all those things with you. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to, to leave our listeners with before we I don't think so. I mean, you guys reach out if you start to like, especially like we talked about, like sometimes you feel like you're on an island in different ways, like tax strategy, right? Mm -hmm. If you can start to like run into any walls with anything, feel free to like DM me and let me know. And I'll kind of, you know, again, I, I won't say like do exactly what I do because yeah. doing something wrong, please tell me if you find out something I'm doing isn't okay. But I, I usually try to have, you know, <laughs> I try to do everything right, ethical with an integrity. So I'm happy to share what I do too. I'm always an open book like that. So let me know. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elise. Yeah. Thank you so course. much, Dr. Elise. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for all of you that have been listening. If you like this, please share it to your story and share it with somebody you feel like needs to hear this and uh, leave us a rating and review on the show so we can continue to bring awesome guests like Dr. Elise uh, to your ears. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the What Now podcast. Peace. Peace.